Well, thank you so much, musicians. I thought nobody did choir anymore. That's awesome. Just love that. Brother Steve, appreciate your ministry. And uh, what an honor it is to be with you today. Uh, bring you greetings from not just North Greenville University, but we do have three wonderful Baptist colleges here in the state of South Carolina. And uh, it's a real blessing for our state to have uh, faithful institutions. And uh, I'm thrilled to bring you greetings from our campus. Uh, we had about 300 students make professions of faith last year. Uh, on our campus and we're excited about that. We uh, do not require all the students who come to us uh, to be Christ followers, but we sure like it when they become Christ followers while they're with us. And so one of the things that we talk about a lot is that we're trying to produce transformational leaders for church and society uh, so that our students will leave our campus and come back to local churches and engage with those local churches. Uh, we have a lot of academic programs. A lot of people think of us still as uh, North Greenville College back when we were a junior college. Uh, but we actually have two doctoral programs now. We have a physician's assistant program at the graduate level, and we have a lot going on, uh, including very vibrant athletics and campus life. And so uh, just bring you greetings from that campus. And then the other thing that I want to mention, and I can't let go by pass, was as Brother Steve mentioned, I'm from Laurel, Mississippi. And I understand there used to be a pastor at this church from Laurel, Mississippi, Edwin Young. My dad grew up with Edwin and uh, Joe Beth. And uh, so whenever we used to pass through Columbia, uh, when, when Edwin was here, we would always stop. Because some of you remember, you didn't used to make long distance calls. You remember that? Because it cost money. Uh, so we would stop and dad would plunk a dime or a quarter in a payphone whenever we would pass through here and, and call the Youngs. And uh, then uh, another connection I have with the church, one of the uh, girls that was in my wedding uh, married a young man, Greg Ott, who grew up in this church. And some of you may remember the Otts. And then, of course, there's Betty Jo Craft. I don't know where Miss Betty Jo is this morning, but she's got to be somewhere because she's the queen. And we just love, there she is. There's my friend. We're going to have lunch today. And uh, served on our board for many years. And uh, her husband, Ira, many of you may not know this, but her late husband, Ira, helped us start 400 churches in New England through the North American Mission Board. And uh, the church my dad pastored when I was a child and where I was baptized is one of the churches uh, that Brother Ira helped to start. And so uh, I've always felt strong connections with this church and very thrilled to have the opportunity to be here with you today. Uh, we are going to be looking at Colossians 3 today, and I must also mention this as well. Uh, sometimes when they do an introduction, uh, they it will make people think that I'm not allowed to be funny. I do enjoy trying to bring a little humor into the pulpit. I hope that that's okay. So if I say something and you think it's supposed to be funny, give me the benefit of the doubt and, and let it be funny. Uh, because sometimes people will hear I'm an English professor and good gracious we just heard chain breaker which has the word ain't in it and I think that that's okay uh, because that's a good southern uh, term that we pick up from the Scots-Irish influence and all but when I was doing my PhD in 17th century literature uh, I was at a convenience store in Mississippi visiting with some relatives and um, they didn't have any lids for the soft drinks and I walked up to the clerk and I said ain't y'all got no lids and my wife just about crawled under the car and she was like you're getting a PhD in 17th century literature and you just said ain't y'all got no lids and I said I'm bilingual it's all right we will we'll be okay uh, this morning we're going to be looking at Colossians 3 and if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's word uh, I am going to read the entire chapter because I really love to read chapters so that what we're looking at is in a good context. And so uh, if, if you'll bear with me as I read the entire chapter, we will work our way through here quickly. Uh, but let me go ahead and read this passage. 
Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now... You also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but in Christ is all and in all. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called to be one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive reward of the inheritance, and it's the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Let me pray. God, we do thank you for these words of encouragement and exhortation, God. As a body of believers, we pray that we will do everything unto you, knowing that this is your church and we are your people and our lives and our eternities have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. And so this morning, I pray that you will help my words to be your words and you'll get me out of the way. And We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So convenience stores are a big part of my life because I spend a lot of time traveling and, and, and working my way around things. Uh, for a number of years, I lived outside Memphis, and I would have to go to Columbus, Georgia several times a year uh, for meetings. And so if you do a long drive like that, you know where your gas tank's going to be empty, and you know 
where your carbohydrate tank is going to be empty. And so I had a number of stops along this path uh, where I would stop very frequently. And there's this one convenience store near Tuscumbia, Alabama, uh, where I would stop with some frequency. So I pulled into the store this one time. And uh, as I came into the door, I noticed that there was a long line of customers and there was one clerk and the clerk was looking absolutely exasperated. And so as I walked past, I kind of thought, mm, boy, this is going to take a while. So I kind of took my, my time as I went through the, the store, went over to the fountain, got my, my big 32-ounce drink, and I realized that the, the top had bubbled over while I was there. And uh, so I found some napkins and I started cleaning up my drink. And then I realized that the entire drink area was a mess. And so being obsessive compulsive like I am, I decided to clean the beverage station for the clerk since she was so busy. So uh, I saw that there was a nice cloth there. And so I began to wipe up my mess and throw away all the, the straw wrappers. And uh, I cleaned up the lids that were there and I, I reorganized the straw center and uh, I wiped everything down with the cloth. And by the time I was done, I turned around to go back to the register area and uh, all the other customers had left so now it was me and the clerk in the store and when I turned around she was doing this <laughs> and so I came up to the counter and, and she said why did you do that and I said well uh, I, well, I wanted to let my inner Chick-fil-A from all these years uh, bubble over and say, well, it was my pleasure to serve you, but uh, I, I decided not to do that. But I said, well, I saw that you were very busy. I made a mess, and I thought that maybe I would help to clean up the mess a little bit. She said, well, that was really nice of you. And I said, well, look, uh, it looks like you only got one of you here in the store, and I just wanted to encourage you today. And as I got out to the car then, I started thinking about that interchange, and the first thing that I thought was, I wonder what was going on in her life that maybe those encouraging words and that encouraging act of service might have been something that meant something to her. But then the second thing that I thought when I got in the car was I didn't tell her why I really did it. And that is because my life was once a mess and Jesus came to fix that mess. And because Jesus has fixed that mess in my life, the overflow of that fix is such that I want to go and help other people by fixing messes in their lives in the name of Christ. And instead of going back into the store, because now there was a big, long, another line, and I didn't want to stand around tapping my feet saying, i got to tell her about Jesus, I understand that the work of the Spirit is such that the Spirit often will connect acts of service that we make in the name of Jesus, even when we haven't mentioned the name of Jesus, because the Spirit is preparing someone else to come along behind in the name of Jesus explicitly, and that all of those things will work together sometimes to change the eternity of people that we bump into in our lives. And so I sat there in that parking lot and I prayed specifically that the act of service that I did would be one that would encourage her, but I also prayed that there would be somebody in her life who would be working to make that connection. Because my identity is completely different now than it was before I came to know Christ. And in this passage, if you look back at the passage beginning with verse 1, look, look at how this is. Paul here is making sure that we understand that our identity has changed because Christ has changed it. Look at verse 1. If you've been raised up, in other words, if you are now a Christ follower, if you are one of the ones who is seeking after Christ, then keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on this earth. Which means as we are going about our daily lives, yes, we are connecting with other people who are here in this earth. We're doing our jobs. We're raising our families. We're paying our taxes. We're doing all the things that are necessary here in this earth. But we constantly need to be coming back to understanding that really what we are about is the king's business. And because we're about the king's business, it changes everything. 
everything else. And, and so as he begins to move now through here, he reminds us in verse 3 that we have died because we have died in Christ, and Christ has died for us. Therefore, our deaths to our old self create a new self that allows us to be able to do things for the glory of God. And when we get to verse 4, it talks about Christ being revealed. And this is one of the ways that Christ is revealed, is that we have an opportunity to reveal Christ through the things that we do in our lives and the way that we treat others who are in our lives. As we go and we look at all of these things that we are now about to set up in this passage, what we'll have is first a reminder of the way that things used to be. And I have to tell you, I was only about four years old when I asked Jesus into my heart, but I remember it, y'all. I remember the colors of the wall. I remember the temperature of the room. I had dropped an F-bomb in the hallway of the church my dad was pastoring, and my dad heard it, and he came back and said, what are you doing? Where did you learn a word like that? And I said, well, Dad... I just picked it up somewhere. What does it mean? He didn't want to tell me what it meant, you know. Uh, but we had a rule in our house that what happened was if you, if you said a, a bad word, Dad would brush our teeth out with soap. Anybody do the old soap thing in the mouth? Y'all remember that? Uh, I, was, I was growing quite the taste for soap because we had a, we had a lot of lost children in our Sunday school group. Um, but on that particular day, what happened was my dad soaped up the toothbrush, and instead of brushing my teeth out, he brushed his own teeth out and he said, I want for you to understand this is what Christ did for you. And he took the punishment for my act of sin, which taught me a lesson about what Christ has done for all of our sins. And so I was not a nuclear arms trader. I had never been a heroin addict at age four. There were none of those things that were there, but there was sin in my life. And because I have that incredible testimony that my dad gave me that incredible gift of through Christ, I still can remember, as vaguely as it may be, I can still remember what it was like not to know Christ and to be in my sins. And, and look at these passages now. Let's look at verse 5. When he says now that we now need to consider that all of these things are dead, look at the dead, look at this laundry list of things, y'all. That we are dead to immorality, we're dead to impurity, we're dead to passion, we're dead to evil desire, we're dead to greed. Look at the other things that he brings up in this list. We've got in verse 8, we've got anger, we've got wrath, we've got malice, we've got slander, we've got abusive speech. That was the one that got me. Don't lie to each other because you've now laid aside all these things. And so he gives us this laundry list. And these are all things that pretty much all of us have struggled with at some point in our lives or another. And what he says here beginning in verse 5 is that we need to consider that these things are dead. And what he's saying is that while you're on this world, you are going to struggle with these things because we constantly have this battle between the old man and the new man, between the way that we are bent through sin and the way that we are straightened out through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that we are going to struggle with these things, absolutely, but understand that in Christ, you don't have to have these things anymore. This is not the way that it has to be anymore. When I watch television and I watch the news, all I seem to see on the news is a society that is eaten up with all of these things. But when I reflect on my own heart, I know that I still struggle with things that are on this list as well. And if you're honest, probably you do as well. And when I come into a corporate body like a church, it's one of the things that I often will find is that sometimes churches actually struggle with these things as well. And a lot of times when I come into churches, it's because there's been a retirement or there's been a transition or the pastor's on vacation or something like that. 
And so one of the things that I often will remind the church is that it's always a good time for us to stop, not only as individuals, but as a church body, especially in a transition such as this church is in, and see where are the things that we're reflecting the old nature and not the new nature? Where are the ways that we need to understand that we are dead in these things and understand that we are alive instead in Christ? And so look at verse 10. It says that we are to put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created them. And this is what I love about verse 10 is it reminds us that all of these other things that we struggle with are really lies. They're not just lies of the evil one, but they're lies because we don't have to be owned by those things anymore because we have been bought with a great purchase, the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when we get to verse 12, look at what happens now. We begin to get this incredible picture of what we as the church are like. And it's what we as believers are like. So beginning with verse 12, we've been chosen of God. Understand what an incredible gift and a blessing it is to know that you have been chosen of God. And when we are in Christ, there's this amazing thing that happens where we understand that we have been chosen of God and we've re responded to the calling of the Holy Spirit. When you go through the scriptures, one of the things that I love to tell especially college students is this. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundations of the earth, which meant through God's incredible foreknowledge that we get, God has known how you would respond to the calling of the Spirit, and God has already recognized you, and he has chosen you from the foundations of the earth. And so what that means is that if that name was chosen before the foundations of the earth, if God knew that he was going to call you in the spirit and that you were going to respond to that, then this incredible thing happened that God already knew your name before he even created Adam and Eve. Let that sink in. God loved you before the foundations of the earth and knew that you would respond to the calling of his spirit. Because he is outside of time and he knows those things. And therefore, if we are chosen of God and we have been, look at the next verb, holy, uh, next word, holy. If we are holy, that means we've been set apart and not set apart because we are great and good, but set apart because God is great and good. And now we have been set apart for a purpose. And look at the next thing. Now we are beloved. And if we know that we are beloved of God, then that means we are going to be empowered in different ways. When I used to teach middle school, yes, I taught, I taught seventh grade English for a while. It was awesome. If any of you are seventh grade English teachers, love you, way to go. Uh, I did it for a couple of years. And it was amazing to watch the difference in the body language between the kids that you knew were beloved at home and the kids that were tolerated at home. And we as Christ followers who have been chosen of God, who have been made holy, who are now beloved of God, ought to be able to live our lives in a different way. And so look what it does now. Here are some incredible depictions that contrast with what we had before. Looking again at verse 12. We have a heart of compassion. Our hearts are pricked when we see need. We have kindness. We have humility, we have gentleness, we have patience, we bear with one another, we forgive one another. God has forgiven us, we forgive one another. And then he says this, put on love, put on unity, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. Do you understand what a difference this world would be if everyone was at their root thankful instead of feeling aggrieved? 
thankful for what they have. Sometimes I get, I get a little upset and, and I get a little impatient and all, but then what I try to do is to come back to this root thing and understand that I need to be thankful and grateful in everything that I do because I am beloved of God and that trumps everything else that goes on. And then look what he says here. Let all of these things richly dwell within you with all the wisdom we're teaching, we're admonishing one another. We have psalms, we have hymns, we have spiritual songs. We sing with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And and when I'm around churches that know how to sing, that tells me something about that church. And when I'm around churches that all stand around and do this, that always gives me pause. When I'm married into my wife's family, my wife's family has had a family reunion up in North Carolina Uh, I believe they're going on their 70th anniversary of this reunion. And what they do at this reunion is after they all eat from the farm, yes, they still have farms, after they eat all of that, they begin to sing and they'll spend an hour to an hour and a half singing the old hymns all together as a family. And when I married into that family, I remember sitting there and thinking, this must be what heaven is like to have all the generations together all singing the praises of God. And so when I see this, and it talks about us singing together, and look at verse 16, not just singing together, but singing with thankfulness in our hearts. And then 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks again to him, to God the Father. Now, in verses 18 and following, we get a really interesting thing that happens here. And this is that Paul begins to give us a case study, a list of things of how are some things where we need to give thanks. That we as wives, as husbands, as children, as all this, need to live in a way that is different from the way that the world lives. I'll focus on one of those, verse 19. Since I'm a husband and a father, uh, I can give an illustration of this. I have a friend who's a single guy. Uh, and uh, one day he told me, I have a fantasy about when I get married. I, I was curious about where we were going with this, but he said, uh, I have a fantasy about when, we, when I get married. At the time, he was, he was probably in his mid-30s, and he said, uh, I have this fantasy that when I'm watching TV, all I've got to do is yell tea, and my wife will bring me a fresh glass of sweet tea. <laughs> I said, well, that is a fantasy. Um, oh, by the way, he is still single, ladies, and I can... <laughs> I I can arrange something. I thought it was so interesting that in this fantasy, he was watching TV and she was in the kitchen. I, I thought that was also an insight and so forth. But don't we do this, y'all? We think about what's in it for us. We, all of this, what's at the root of each of those things is Paul telling us We are not about the center of the universe. The center of the universe is God, thank you very much. It is not each and every one of us. And so when I think about marriage and I think about being a husband or being a father, what I understand is that sometimes it means cleaning up an unbelievable bathroom at 3 o'clock in the morning when there's been some sort of about of flu that's going around. Or it may mean holding hands in a hospital going through a time of incredible illness. Or it may mean you not getting something because somebody else in the family needs something. All of this are, are acts of service that are done because marriage is changed when we understand that Christ is the center of that marriage. Parenting changes when we understand that Christ is at the center of parenting. Being an employee changes when you understand that Christ is at the center of your employment and that your boss is not really your boss. God is your boss. Christ is your boss. It changes everything that is done here. And what I understand more as I get older and older is that the church needs to look less and less like the world because the world is always going to look like that list that's up there starting in chapter in, in verse 5. But the church needs to look like all these other things. And if the church is a place of peace, 
and it's a place of love, and it's a place where people are coming together and serving one another all in the name of Christ and are serving the community all in the name of Christ, then people will not be able but to help coming and seeing these things. Because they're going to say, I want what those folks have. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody that I've been praying for for salvation who has come and grabbed me at some other point, years down the road even, and has said, why are you so different? And I'll say, let me tell you about the Jesus that made me different because this is not the way that I naturally am. When uh, I came to North Greenville, one of the joys that I had in coming to North Greenville was that people would come up and start telling me their North Greenville stories. And uh, if you've never been to our campus, it's gorgeous. And I, I don't mean to break into a commercial, but I am a college president, so you'll forgive me on that. But uh, we're over here just on the other side of Greenville, and uh, we're up in the mountains. We have 31 waterfalls within an hour of campus, y'all. We have a granite ridge that runs behind campus that's almost a 1,500-foot uh, uh, wall, and it is absolutely gorgeous. But those are not the things that students tell me when I meet them out in the community. What they'll tell me about is how their life changed there on campus. We have swing sets all over campus. Uh, some of the students call them the magic swing sets because a lot of uh, couples stop on the swing sets on their first date. And there's an old joke, if you sit in the swing, you'll get a ring by spring. And so I, I hear, and by the way, we like that because that's where future uh, North Greenville students come from, uh, if you think through that. Uh, and, and so it's interesting, I'll have people that'll say, that's the swing where my wife and I sat on our first date, or that's the swing uh, where my wife and I got engaged. But we also have other landmarks on campus. There's uh, steps on certain campuses. And I, I met Mac Brunson uh, earlier this year. Mac was the former president of First Baptist Dallas, First Baptist Jacksonville. He's now going to a church in Alabama. But Mac was a student on our campus, and he told me it was on the steps of Whitehall that Jesus told me I was supposed to be a preacher of the gospel. And he said, I love to come back and visit campus because I see those stairs. And in those moments, I'm reminded that my life changed sitting on those steps. We just hired a new chief academic officer, a guy named uh, Nathan Finn, who's joined us. And uh, Nathan actually got saved on our campus his senior year of high school sitting under a tree. And now he walks past that tree every day of while he's at work, as he thinks about what he's doing to serve the university, he walks past the place where Jesus met him. And I love those kinds of landmarks because they remind us, as this passage does, of how we were and now how we are. In fact, if you go back up to that list, look at verse 7 back up there. It says, these are the things you once walked in when you were living in them. And he gets that past tense action going there, and he's drawing this contrast that we have. And each of us as believers ought to have those kinds of landmarks in our lives that remind us, this is how you once were, and now this is how you are. And the difference has been because of what Christ has done for you. Lisa and I lived in New Orleans as newlyweds. We went to the seminary in New Orleans. And uh, one of the cool things about First Baptist New Orleans at that time was it was down in the Garden District. And uh, the Mardi Gras parades would come by during Mardi Gras. Now, we did not go to all of the Mardi Gras parades. We had enough warning not to do that. Uh, but the Sunday morning parades were actually fairly family friendly. And so what we would do at the church is we would have uh, an opportunity to have an early service. And then a lot of the families would bring picnics. And so we'd picnic out in the parking lot and then we'd go watch the parades. Well, uh, the first year that we were there, Lisa and I were sitting under this tree and uh, we were getting ready for the parade. We were eating everything. This is about 11 o'clock in the morning, I might add. And this guy came staggering down the sidewalk. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. He's already staggering. He's on his way to the Mardi Gras parade. 
And he said, hey. And I said, hey, sir. And uh, tried to keep my head down. And uh, he took about four steps past. And then he stopped down his tracks and he backed back up. And he said, you people go to this church over here? And I said, yes, sir. And I'm preparing for, you know, he wants a handout. He wants something, right? Uh, and then he, he surprised me because he said, that's my church. <laughs> and I said, oh, haven't read the church covenant lately, have you? Um, and, I, and I said, it is. And he said, I love my church. And I said, well, tell me about why you love the church. And he said, well, I'm a painter, and about a year ago I fell off a ladder and I broke my back. And that church gives groceries on Wednesdays, and those groceries are what stood between my family and hunger. And that's why that's my church, and I love that church. Now, I know that when they were giving him those groceries, they were also providing him with the gospel. And I don't know what's ever happened with that guy, but I know of story after story of, after story of people who have been served by a local church out of the love of God in the name of the Lord, where prayers that have been offered, tracts that have been offered, conversations that have been had are ones that have ended up finally coming into fruition with somebody and all of a sudden that moment where the spirit hits them and is wooing them and they now respond into that spirit and they become believers. And I believe that there's been an opportunity for that guy to understand who Christ really is because I've seen that happen. Church, you are located in an incredible location. You are downtown in the state capital. Lisa and I went to First Baptist Jackson, Mississippi for a number of years. Very similar church, similar sizes, similar missions. And I know this for a fact. Your location gives you an incredible opportunity to do things unto the Lord. There are people who pass these doors who need to know the gospel. Not all of them are people who are inner city, people who are uh, on the streets or whatever. Some of them are people who walk the halls of power in the buildings that are adjacent to this campus. And this is a church that's had an incredible influence, that's, that's influenced this region, that's influenced this nation, that's influenced so many different things. But the greatness of this church has never been its history. The greatness of this church is the Savior that it serves. You've had a pastor who has served that Savior for over 30 years. You are about to have a new pastor who's going to come in here and who's going to be leading this church for who knows how long but it's going to lead it for God's sake because this church does not belong to the congregation. It doesn't belong to the South Carolina Baptist Convention. It doesn't belong to a pastor. This church belongs just as you do to a risen Savior who died for this church and who has a mission and a passion for this church and who longs to see this church continue to serve him for his name and for his glory. All the music that you've heard this morning has lifted up the name of Christ. This church lifts up the name of Christ in a way that brings glory to God through this community. Church, as you are preparing yourselves as individuals as well as as a corporate body, let me exhort you all to understand that as long as you are doing it for God's name, it will have eternal value. It will have eternal impact. And church, as you are considering this, even as individuals, I want for you to consider how is it that you yourself are serving others? Because this is what we all understand is that 1 John 4, 19 says this, we love because he first loved us. And if you are beloved of God, as this passage says, then that means that you have a responsibility to love others. Let's pray. God, we are grateful, grateful, grateful for your leading and for your name. God, we want to serve you. 
And we do all these things in your name. God, as we go to a time of invitation, we pray that hearts will be pricked here to serve you. And if there are those who need to make a confession and a profession for you, that they will do so. God, as we are in this time of invitation, I pray that anyone who wants to come forward to solidify a decision will be able to do those things. We pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.